and you can turn to Acts chapter 14. Now, today's teaching is a little different, but it's actually going to be hopefully very good for you. Uh, what you see on the overhead is what we're going to do that's kind of different here in the campuses and those of you watching online. Trusting God in the ups and downs of life. Now, what I'm going to do, let's practice it. I'm going to go through, we're going to watch Paul and Barnabas go to many towns on their missionary journey. And they're going to have up times, and they're going to have down times. Now, let me see. How many of you, and just you can practice with your finger, I'm going to say, how many of you had up times this week? Let me see. Up times this week. Okay, good. Anybody have a downtime this week? And you got to be truthful, and you got to go like this. What? Downtime. Good. Get used to it, because we're going to do this the whole service. You say, Pastor Mom, are you crazy? No, that's what God told me to do. Don't make fun, because that keeps you, what? Engaged. Engaged. Let me share a principle with you. You know this by heart anyway. It doesn't matter. Look at the first thing. One thing for certain in life is that it has both what? Ups and downs. This weekend, Paul will teach us, listen, to trust God no matter what. It doesn't matter what's going to be an up or down. We're going to learn to trust God. Quite often, I do this. Before I do a sermon, as I'm getting ready to finish it, I write three things to myself to help myself remember. What does God want this group this weekend to know? Here's what it is. Life is filled with ups and downs. You know that. Second thing, what does God want us to do? Well, trust God with every detail of your life. You're going to learn to do that more than we do. We have to learn to trust him. And how should we feel? Well, when you're through with the teaching, you should feel content, satisfied in spite of all those things. We are satisfied with God's plan for our life because he always wins. So just be encouraged as we go through this today. Now, if you go through the Bible, you see lives with ups and downs like crazy. But remember, in the end, all things work together for good. You see Joseph with all his times. You saw Moses with his. You see Job. And we're going to look today. And basically, as you see these things, it shouldn't surprise us. Because when Jesus began to walk on this earth, here's what he said. You know it by heart. John 6.33. Viera Sebastian, you guys online. Jesus said this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus says we're going to have ups and downs, but it's okay. You can have peace if you have a relationship with me and take heart, be encouraged, I'm in charge of everything. I've defeated Satan, death, and hell. I died on the cross for you. And in the end, I win, you win, and Satan loses. So we have to get that picture of what it looks like. Now, Paul and Barnabas already had some difficult times on the missionary journey that they're doing. 
but they're going to experience lots more. And it's going to be the same for you and I in our life. How many ups and downs have we had since March? Holy moly. One of the biggest roller coasters we've ever seen. Now, uh, they had an uptime in Antioch, uh, Pesada. Almost the whole town of pagan Gentiles came to the Lord in salvation. But look what happened at the end of that revival in that town. In the same town with the same people. I have it for you. Acts 13.50. But the unbelieving Jews in the town who didn't come to Christ incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city, and they stirred up persecution against the same people that brought all those people to Christ, Paul and Barnabas, and they expelled them from their region. They kicked them out of the town. Say with me, come on, downtime. You just got kicked out of the town. Downtime. Now, when part will Paul and Barnabas, when they get kicked out, will Paul say to Barnabas, enough of this. We're going back to people that love us. I can't stand this anymore. We're out of here. No, they do not say this. They go to another city. They're not through. They didn't give up. They didn't throw the towel in no matter if it was down. Look at Acts 14.1. At Iconium, here's the next town. Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed in Jesus Christ. So here's a picture of where you see them going. And this map just sees us right up there. Notice Iconium. You can see where it is. And they have Jeff's left Pisidia, Antioch, and got kicked out of it. They're going to go. You're going to see them in many of this, these towns today. They're on. And all of these towns have ups and downs. That's in their journey of life. We're all on a journey of life. Now, as usual, when Paul came into a new town, and there he is in Iconium, he goes right to a synagogue. Why? Because he's Jewish, and he wants to speak from the Old Testament to show the Jews that Jesus was prophesied in the Old Testament, even though they didn't believe in Jesus. So the spirit of the living word of God, as he taught in that synagogue, all these great numbers of Jews and Gentiles came to the Lord. Not all of them, definitely not all of the Jews, but they accepted, they heard the truth about Jesus, and they're convinced. Notice what it said. They spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. What kind of time is that? Come on, get your thumbs going. You don't have broken thumbs. Come on, I'm watching you. I'll break your throne. Come on, that's a what? That's an uptown because what? All these people came to Christ. Would you call that an uptown? Yeah, that's an uptime. It's really there. In that town, that time just changed because of Paul teaching the word of God. Now, you think there could be a downtime coming. Well, look at verse 12. Here's the downtime. When you see the word but, you know there's a problem. Here it is. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the Christian brothers. So what does this mean? Well, here's the truth. Becoming a Christ follower requires believing in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Some of these Jews refuse to believe. 
that Jesus was the Messiah. And they went and poisoned the minds of the other people. They went out and said, you're idiots to believe in Jesus. He never raised from the dead. They stole his body. Paul's a liar. Well, when you see that, what are Paul and Barnabas saying when they hear this? Is it an up or is it a? It's a down. Come on, get your thumbs. It's, it's a down time. How soon is that? Wow. Well, what are they going to do? Well, look at verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time. They don't leave either. And they're speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. So this was a downtime, but Paul believed he had known this principle from the Old Testament. Paul believed. I don't care whether it's a downtime. Watch what he writes. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Do you believe that? Yeah, that's how downtimes go back to what? Uptimes. Because God is a present, a refuge of strength, a present help in our trouble. So the opposition didn't start Paul and Barnabas. Instead, they stayed in that city for a very long time and continued to preach the gospel. God honored their staying there, courage, by allowing them to do supernatural miracles. Now, Luke doesn't tell us what those signs and wonders are, but when they had just watched these people tearing apart the town, that was down. But now, with supernatural things happening, what kind of a time is it for Paul and Barnabas? That's an uptime. They know something good is really, really happening from God. Now, verse 4. Well, interesting. The people of the city were divided. And some sided with the unbelieving Jews, and other with the apostles. So in this city, even after the miracles, when you see that, it's just amazing. In this city, they became divided, and the truth that was made, basically, the people didn't believe it. Now, you would think, here in a town where they're arguing, and some of them believe in Jesus, a bunch of them don't, and they're fussing with the whole town, but here's supernatural miracles, and what happens? They don't believe. Wouldn't you think if you saw miracles supernatural... That what Paul just taught you would be true? But here's something you need to know. We see this all through the Bible. It, it's, it's difficult. Look at this. True miracles will never convince everyone that God is real. I wish that was not true. But Satan lies to people. Oh, that's not really true. That person never got saved. That person never got healed. That was the doctor that did that. Well, doctors can help too. So you have to understand, we shouldn't stop praying for people, but you, some people pray like this. If they'd only see a miracle, if they'd only see a miracle, they'll come to Christ. Not true. You have to decide to come to Christ yourself. Not because of a miracle you saw, but he wants to do a miracle in you. Some of your believers here say, if I, God would just show me a miracle, I'll come to Jesus Christ. He already showed you one. He died on the cross and was resurrected. So you have to believe in it, even though we didn't see it. So understand what's happening there. Now, when you see that happening, here's verse 5. After all the miracles, 
You're with me, right, Vera, Sebastian? You're with me online. After all the miracles, look at verse 5. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with the leaders, decided to attack and stone them. After the miracles. Say with me. Come on. Get your thumbs going. Down. Down. How would you feel like you just did an amazing thing? You got a lot of people saved. Miracles are there. And now they're going to stone you. I wouldn't call that an up. I wouldn't call that a halfway. That's a down. Now, verse 6. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia, to the towns of Lystra and Derby. We'll show you that in a moment in the surrounding area. Now, wait a minute. Who, who told Paul? Do you think one of the guys that's going to stone him said, you better get ready. We're going to stone you, baby. No, that didn't happen. They, they went to Facebook and YouTube. There it is. Come down today. Come down this afternoon. You're going to see us stone these two idiots. No, they didn't have that. Well, how did they know that was the plan and they escaped to the next towns? How did they know that? Well, you see here, both Paul and Barnabas have the Holy Spirit living inside them. What does the Holy Spirit do? He directs our lives. He comforts us. He protects us. So the Holy Spirit came to Paul and Barnabas, and he basically said to this, you better get out of Dodge. Something's coming. Now, if the Holy Spirit says move on, we're going to move on. And that's exactly what they did. But here's what you have to understand. You see there God's timing, his protection, and his direction. That's what we get from a Christ follower. Remember, I told you, you're never alone if you're a Christ follower. They have the Holy Spirit leading them. Now, look at this. Here's what happened. God sees, God cares, God comes, and God delivers. When Paul sees it, God sees, he cares, he comes, he delivers. That's what? That's an uptime. God isn't ignoring them. He's directing their lives through the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have to understand. We're not alone. If they didn't know that was coming, they'd probably have been stoned. But the Holy Spirit said, get out of town. Now, here's a promise, but I want to share this with you. When I, my wife and I got up at 6 o'clock in the mornings most of the time and read all those prayers that I told you about, you know, hundreds and hundreds of prayers and requests, I, I want all of us to believe this promise. Some of you may be here this morning at any of our campuses. I'm sure there are people like this. Those of you watching online, you have needs. You have a difficulty. It, maybe you didn't put the prayer request out, but you're sitting here. When I said to my wife and I saw all those needs, thousands and thousands of needs, I said, sometimes we forget who's in the congregation. Sometimes you forget. You might be sitting next to somebody distancing. Way to go. You have no idea what's going on in their life. Physical, spiritual, marriage, finance, you name it. We don't know. But somebody knows. His name is God. And that's why you're here. And those prayers, it's the same thing. And I want, if you have that issues, you don't have to say it to anybody. God already knows. But I want you to say this to myself. And then I'm going to ask you to do something. Psalm 14, 17. The Lord hears his people when they call to him 
for help. He rescues them from all your troubles. Now, that's not for Paul and Barnabas. That's for you. He rescues them from all troubles. Now, if you're having a downtime and you need to put your trust in God, I want you to look up here. And I want everybody just to say this out loud because we'll all have some downtimes. We just need to say it out loud. Here we go. Say it with me. One, two, three. Here we go. My uptime is coming. Can I hear an amen? See, that's faith. It is coming. My uptime is coming. Pastor Mark, when's it coming? I'm not God. He has his own timing. I have to tell you, we don't like his timing sometimes, but his timing is always perfect. So when you leave here, it should be an uptime because God is caring for us and he will deliver us. Now, take a look at the map. Remember what we told you? They're going to go to Lystra and Derby. See them right there? They're leaving. They ran away. The Holy Spirit said, We're, God's not done with you. You're not going to get stoned. Come on. Oh, let's go to Lystra and Derby. That's exactly where they're going. Now, look at verse 7, where they continued to preach the good news. So when they left, they didn't go, let's go home. They're just going to go to the next town. Maybe it'll be a little better. And we'll still teach the gospel that Jesus is the only way to God. So this is different. Look at me. Everybody look at me. This is very different. They always go to a town where there's a synagogue. Now, to have a synagogue in those days, you had to have 10 Jewish people, 10 Jewish men to establish. There is no Jewish synagogue in this city. No at all. Zero. So what they're left with is Greek pagans that worship idols. They don't know anything really about Jesus. And so Paul's going to have a difficult time. He, he can't go back to the Old Testament like he used to do and then point out how Jesus was prophesied, and he is the Messiah, but he's going to do a different thing. He's going to go back to creation and prove to these people who worship, let me use this podium here, as an idol. How'd you like to bow down to this idol and ask your prayer? How many prayer results will you get from this? Zero. And, but so he's going to go, remember, if something is, is created, there has to be a creator, and he's going to go through. If you have a watch on, did you say, boom, it happened. There it is. That's what the world believes. How did the world get here? Well, there's no creator. It's just big boom. Uh, sorry, it didn't work that way. Now, look at verse 8. In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth, never walked. Here's the key. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. And Paul looked directly at him. And he saw that he had faith to be healed. Now this is interesting. Here Paul goes in and he sees this crippled man. And he's probably thinking, well, why is this guy listening to me? Why is he listening to me? He doesn't really understand. I'm sure he's talking about gospel and Jesus, whatever. Because he's a gentle. He probably heard God because he doesn't know really what God is, because he has his own God, an idol. And all of a sudden, but he looks and he goes, whoa, this man has faith to be healed. Now, how would Paul know that? Well, it's the gift of discernment. He could look into his heart and go, this guy's ready to be healed. And so look what he does in verse 10. 
And he called out. Now, look at me. He called out to a man who has never walked in his life. Doesn't even know what that means. Never. Now, watch the faith that Paul has. I believe he had the, the faith that this man would be healed. He had the gift of healing. And he called out and said, stand up on your feet. Now, if you're the man that's never walked, how you like that? Well, see, he already had faith that he was going to get healed. Now, how did a man who doesn't know God have faith in his heart that somehow he's going to get healed? Here's why. He was listening to Paul. What is Paul teaching? The God, the Word. Faith comes by and hearing by the Word of God. That's why our faith is growing, to trust God as I'm teaching you today. Can I hear an amen? That's why we do it. When you hear the Word, our faith grows. Well, that's exactly what happened. So he says to the guy, come on, stand up on your feet. And the man jumped up and began to walk. Wow. Now, that's what you call a miracle. So Paul encouraged the man. The power of God took care of it. And the people in town go, I've been here my whole life. I never saw that guy walk in my life. He's running. Now, what does that do to them? Remember, they don't understand any of this. If the town people, for the town people, as they look at us, for Paul especially, what kind of time was that for Paul? Was it a downtime or a uptime? Come on, come on, uptime. If you're the crippled man, what kind of time was it? Come on, that's really, an, that's like one of these kind of times. He's never, ever walked. Now, this is going to be a problem, though. The town people see the miracle, but they have an idea. Look at verse 11. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods, little g, have come down in human form to us. See, the pagan Gentiles in that town, Greek, Romans, they, they believed that the Greek gods would come down and visit you. No such thing, but that's what they believed. Because of this miracle, the heathen citizens were sure, now watch, that Paul and Barnabas are these gods. They're actually, they come to earth. Look at verse 12. Barnabas they call Zeus. And Paul they call Hermes because he's a chief speaker. So the priest in town, there was a temple for these gods. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside town, he brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the whole city wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Wow. Now, why would this be? Here's an ancient legend. It's known in history, all through history. We don't know if it was true or it's just a legend. But here's why they're doing this. You need to understand why they're doing this. All you guys in the balcony as well. The people in Lystra had an ancient le uh, legend that once Zeus and Hermes, or other names for them, Jupiter and Mercury, had visited their city. And they came as kind of incognito, uh, humans, immortals, and, and, and they went through the town for weeks or two, and nobody acknowledged them. They're thinking, who are these weird people? 
They didn't do anything. And nobody offered food or come into our house. We wanted to say hi to you. Where are you from? Whatever. They wouldn't do that at all. Not in the whole population said, we're not having anything to do with them, except an old couple. They said, we, we see you're not really, nobody's paying attention to you. Come on in. We'll give you some food. We'll have some time. And so when they came in, all of a sudden, uh, Zeus, when they came into that home, and then Zeus and Hermes said, okay, watch this. And they killed everybody in the town except the old couple. They were angry. They said, you're done with you. We come down here. They're the, we're the people you worship. What's wrong with you? And so they just leave. So when the citizens of Lystra saw this miracle from Paul and Barnabas, the man walking, they assumed they're getting a second chance. Zoom, Zeus, all the two gods, they're coming back. We get a chance to please them. This is going to be fantastic. So what do they do? They get a shower, and they're going to shower Paul and Barnabas as if they are Zeus and Hermes. Well, of course they're not. And so they're offering gifts to them. They're going to basically do this. Watch me. They're going to bow down to them. Now, if you've had a bad week for a long time, would you like somebody offering you gifts? Now, some of you go, no, I would never do that. <laughs> well, let me change it. They offer you a five-day non-expense paid to Hawaii. Okay, I'll go. Well, what they're offering them, Paul knew. It was Satan offering them what? Pride. Go ahead, bow down. Hey, the guys are trying to kill you everywhere. Bow down. Let them worship you, baby. Paul says, no, 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 no. God hates pride. Who tempted Paul, these people, to worship Paul and Barnabas? Who tempted them? Satan. So Paul would have said, uh, no, we have history with Satan. <clears throat> Satan got here because he said to God, I'm going to be better than you, God. And God said, really? Okay. And he kicked him to the earth. He kicked Satan to the earth because he wanted to be prideful. So Paul said, no, God hates pride. We will not do this. Do you understand that God hates pride? You see, one of the idols that we have trouble with, if we're not going to say, well, Pastor I never worship idols. What's wrong with you? Basically, the biggest idol worshiper in the world is you and I worshiping ourselves. We make ourselves as if we're God. We are not God. And so that's what Paul's going to say. No, we refuse. Don't even offer anything to us. We're not interested in that at all. We're not going to do. Now, look what he says. They tore off their clothes, and they rushed into the crowd saying this. Hey, we're just humans like you. We're not like a god. Look at us. We're absolutely humans. And then he says this in verse 15. He says this. We are bringing good news to you telling you to turn from these worthless things, these dead idols, to the living God who made the heavens and the earth. So they respond biblically. Now, look how I put it. Paul says, you guys online, Paul says it's time to turn from your useless dead gods. Useless, futile, dead end. And turn to the 
true and living God. Watch me. See, when you're going to change your life, I have to turn from something. That's not right. But that's not enough. I have to then turn to someone. When you become a Christian, you have to turn from your way of sin, of doing life by yourself, trying to guide your own life. You have to turn from that. But you can't just do that. That's repentance then requires belief. I have to turn to the living God. So you just can't turn from. You got to turn to. And that's exactly what they're going to do. Now, when you see that, what is happening? When Paul says that, when they get through all the temptation, what kind of a time is it? Come on. It's an uptime. Some of you guys are dead out there. Do you have a thumb? Come on, come on. Is it an uptime? It's an uptime. Because he what? He defeated temptation. When we defeat temptation with God's power, that's an uptime. Because we kick Satan in the teeth. Because he lost. That's a good thing. Now, watch what happens. Verse 16. In the past... He let all nations go their own way. This is in the Old Testament. Yet he has left, not left himself without testimony. So God's going to prove that he's always around. And you can know him. He has shown kindness by giving you rain. Paul says this to these people from heaven, the crops in your season. He provides you with plenty of food, fills your heart with joy. So Paul says, hey, those idols did nothing for you. You, you think your idols did all this. You got plants. You got food, you got rain, you got sun, you got growth. You, you think that's the idols are doing that. They have nothing to do with it. They're dead. It's the living God. It came from God in heaven. Not Zeus. Definitely not from God. Now, notice what he's doing here. He's going to the Old Testament, because there's, but he's going to come up with a verse, and you'll see that in a moment. He's going to base his teaching on creation that they could see. As I told you before, if something's created, there's got to be a creator. So they're thinking, well, look at these beautiful places we're at. Look at these trees. Look at the sun. Look at the moon. Wow, this is Zeus. No, it is not Zeus. They're not creators. They're stone. They're idols. God is here. Now, how has God revealed himself to us? Many ways. I'll take like a minute and a half to tell you. Don't have to take notes. But we find this through the Bible. I can actually do a half-hour teaching on this, but I won't. Here has God revealed himself. Number one, nature has revealed God. Nature has revealed. The universe in its vastness and complexity shows us that there's a creator. Now, I, I, I'm pretty sure Paul might would have used this verse because he knew the Old Testament. Look at this verse. Now, look at this verse. Pay attention. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Look at me. Look at me. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Well, how are they going to do that? They can't speak to us, but they will speak to us. Watch the rest of this verse. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word, yet their message has gone through the whole earth. You ever get up in a morning and there's an amazing sunrise? Now, when you look at that, what do you think? Wow, I wonder who's in charge of that. And then at night, you go out and all of a sudden there's a big moon 
and there's stars everywhere. Well, I wonder what idol made that. No, see, they're not saying anything to us, but they're shouting, there's a real God. He made all of this, and he made you. Do you get it? See, they thought it was an idol. Careful. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I really don't believe in God. Well, I say this kindly. The Bible says, if you don't believe in God, you're a fool. I'm sorry. You are. You think the Big Bang caused all this? No, the great God caused all this. He was the creator, still is. So Paul is trying to change their life. Second, our conscience tells us that God exists. I don't care where you're born, what nation, what year, you know some things are wrong and some things are right. Now, it's changed a lot. That's because people's conscience is so screwed up. But, you know, our conscience is supposed to be programmed by the Word of God. Unbelievers don't use that. So something, well, that's why we have the abortion. Baby comes out of the mother now in New York and a few other states. You know, uh, would you like to keep your baby now? The baby's fine. He's alive. No, just kill it. Cool. That was never natural. That's a conscience that's been absolutely seared by Satan. Now, when you see that, next thing, Jesus Christ has revealed God. When Jesus came, he said, I came to earth. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He just he proved it. And last, the scriptures testify of God's existence. You know, when we teach this word today, it's God's mind. He's the one that wrote the scriptures through the Holy Spirit. So that revelation is to us. Now, since we know that God has revealed, revealed himself to us, what will these people respond when Paul proved this to them? What will they do? What will their response be? Well, look at verse 18. Even with these truthful words that Paul had just taught, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing them. What are they doing? They have rejected everything that Paul has said. No way. We can't see it. Well, can you see Zeus, dummies? No, you can't. They're deceived by Satan. And so they just refuse. The pagan idol worshipers choose to refuse to believe the truth that they were just given. Now, this is a key principle for all of us. The reason people don't believe God's truth is they refuse to believe. It's not that they can't believe. They simply refuse it. If you continue to do that, you will never become a believer. Because you have to have belief that it's true, that God can change your life. So when Paul went through that whole thing, and he finished, and they say, not interested. What kind of a time was that? Come on, what kind of a time was that? Down. He's going, oh my goodness. I did the best I could. Well, look at verse 19. Then some of the Jews from Antioch and Iconium, where they'd just been kicked out, trying to stone him, they won the crowd over. They came, and they came from Antioch, Iconium, and they traveled 100 miles to say, we're getting rid of Paul. We're getting rid of Barnabas. I don't like, we don't like that gospel. We're happy doing what we're going to do. So they come 100 miles, and they get with these people here that refuse to change, and they've refused to change, and they start stirring it up. They basically, watch this, we're bringing 
persecution with us. Now, when Paul and Barnabas see this group coming that tried to kick them out and tried to stone them, and now this group, they're mixing with them. They didn't believe. What do you think Paul and Barnabas are going? Hooray! No, it, come on, it's a downtime. Really big downtime. Well, look at verse 19. You think it was a big time? Look at verse 19. And they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. Now, it's interesting because Luke doesn't tell us what really happened. These people got incited, and Paul and Barnabas, and they instigated the stoning of Paul. This was an attempt to stop the gospel. They want to kill them. Now, isn't it interesting? Half of these people, a day before, they wanted to bow down and worship Paul and Barnabas. Now, they're going to stone Paul. Would you call that fickle? See, there's no stability. There's no stability. Now, what's going to happen? We don't really know. There's a lot of different things about it. Bible scholars basically believe that Paul actually died and was raised from the dead, maybe went to heaven. We'll talk about that another time. Most people don't believe that. Most scholars do not believe he died. Think because that word thinking, as they saw, they think him there, there, and they basically, they're, they're wondering if that really happened. So supposing it happened or thinking it happened, it really usually in those days means it wasn't true. So they had to believe Paul didn't die, but he was maybe unconscious, of course, broken bones, bleeding, all kind of stuff there. And supernaturally, God made a, 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 a supernatural, just woke him up and healed him on the point. Now, look at verse 20. This is amazing. But after the disciples had gathered around them, he's there. They think, well, maybe he's dead. We don't know what's happening here. He gets up, and he goes back to the city. I might take a different route myself. How about you? He goes back to the city, and the next day he and Barnabas leave for Derby. We'll pick that up next week where it is. It's just amazing to me. But notice what happened. Who, who gathered around him? Disciples. Paul had already started discipling people, lifelong learners. And all of a sudden, God supernaturally just raises him up, and he goes back. Now, what did we learn today? Paul learned something. He's, he, if, if he was dead, he went to heaven, and then God supernaturally resurrected him. If he wasn't, God healed him supernaturally quick. Boom. And he goes right back into town. And you're going to see next week, he goes right in to teach gospel. Many, many years later, Paul wrote a book to the Philippians. Look at the verse. He wrote this from prison. <laughs> he still had ups and downs. There it is. By the way, when he went back into town and got up and shocked all the people that were there, the people stoning him, what do we have to do to get this guy down? And he just goes right back into town. What kind of a time was it for Paul? Yeah, I don't know whether he could hold his hand up or not, but it was an up time. Now, when you see this happening, look what Paul writes. He's in jail many, many years later. I'm not saying this is because I'm in need, for I have learned. How do you learn something? I'll explain more of that next week. You don't learn it by reading. You learn it by experiencing. I have learned to be content 
whatever the circumstances. For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. Now, when you see that, what is Paul saying? Look at it. I am totally satisfied with my circumstances because I trust God with all the details of my life. What does he mean, content? It means I'm satisfied with God's plan for my life. I've learned through the ups, come on, the ups and the downs, I've learned to trust God. He absolutely has a plain plan for my life, and he will, he who began a good work in me, he will finish it. So he's positive in that. Now, why could we think this? On their whole journey, they were never alone. The Holy Spirit was with them every step of the way, whether it's up or down. If you're a Christian today, the Holy Spirit's with you. You're never alone. Now, why is that? Take a look at this. All the campuses, you guys online. Life has its ups and downs. Heartaches and joys. But one thing remains constant. And it's our only hope. That one thing is, say it with me, Jesus. He never changes. He's always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. See, and he, his presence that you can feel right now in the services and at home. God's here, and he's trying to say to our minds, trust me. I love you. I have a plan for you. Forget the ups and the downs. I'll get you through it. I'm a very present help in time of trouble. Don't look to the issues. Look to me. I will handle it, and I'll get you to an end where you know my love is true. If you're a Christ follower, as I just said to you, you will never be alone because you have the Holy Spirit living in you 24-7. He's there to comfort us, to direct us, to encourage us. Now, if you're not a believer, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. Because the first thing after coming to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. So you're doing life alone. Let me just say it like this. Some of you that are watching from our campuses or online, you're a good moral person. You know about God, but you've never asked Jesus to come in. And you've been trying to do life alone, your own plan, your own way. And I can just say to you, it doesn't work. You already know that. Be honest with yourself. When God designed people, he created them to know him, love him, obey him, and follow him. And you're trying to be God. You can't be God. So I just want to encourage you, as we saw today, it's time to turn your life over to Jesus. Turn away from you trying to lead your life and turn to God. He'll do a lot better job leading your life than you and I would ever be able to do. By the way, every person who becomes a Christian, we had to leave us behind and we turn to God because he is our salvation as we sang today. Now, we heard Paul challenge that. You can't just say, well, I believe in God. No, you have to turn away. God, forgive me. That's called repenting. Forgive me of my sins, and I want to put my faith in you. Look at this promise from God, Romans 10, 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God cannot lie. 
And I'm going to ask you in a moment to pray a prayer with me. And if you'll pray that prayer, God will change your life. He'll forgive all your sins. He'll give you a brand new start. And you will be able to do life with God. There's nothing better than that. Jesus said it like this. Follow me and I will make you like me. That's why Jesus came. He died on the cross so your sins, my sins could be forgiven and we get a brand new start. Now, some of you also, you used to follow God, but somehow you gave in to some temptation from Satan. I don't know what it is, but Satan's always trying to get us off on another road. And you now realize, man, I made the wrong thing. Will God take me back? I can guarantee you, after being in ministry through my dad and all that all these years, I can guarantee you God loves new starts for people. Relax. You say, well, I think Satan said I, he not, he's not. Don't believe Satan. He loves to give new starts. If we don't have new starts, I'm not talking because I'm not here and you're not here. God gives us lots of starts. Why? Because he has grace. So I'm going to pray this prayer. If you want to be forgiven and you want your life to begin with God and spend eternity with him in heaven, we're going to bow our heads. And I'm going to ask you to pray wherever you're at, campus, beer, Sebastian, online, balcony, here, doesn't matter. But while I'm doing that, if you're a Christian already, Christ follower, then I want you just to bow your heads at the same time. But I want you to pray for the people that are having to make a decision right now that they would allow God to speak to them and say, today's the day, today's the day. Now, if Satan says to you another day, Oh, that guy's giving you the truth another day. That's wrong. Jesus says today is the day of salvation. Let's bow our heads. Father, for these people that want to make a, a new start with you and make a recommitment, and for the people that for the very first time, they believe in you, but they've never really asked you to be their personal Savior. Just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I do believe you died on the cross for my sins. Today, I turn from my life of ruling it by myself, and I turn to the all-knowing God to direct my life as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for your love and your forgiveness, and I receive your gift of salvation. Thank you that you're going to change my life starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.